0: After a special, the preacher would say, thank you for that special, that was a blessing. But it's awkward when it's you also who did it, so uh, t- take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew's again, um, and the, the investment, at least being able to thank him for the investment that they put in both of my wife and I over those years, and then, and then of course seeing old college friends. And I guess that's appropriate to say old now because we're all old. So, um, college friends who are still staying with the, the stuff and, and sticking by the truth without compromise, and I appreciate that. And this is a wonderful church, so so great to be here. Matthew chapter fourteen. If I can draw your attention to, to verse twenty-two, I want to share with you a thought <clears throat> found in this passage. Very familiar story, and I actually referenced it this morning in the message. Matthew chapter. 14 verse 22 and it says "And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up into a mountain apart to pray when the evening was come he was there alone but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary and in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went unto them walking on the sea And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the winds ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Let's pray and then we'll, be, we'll, we'll get started. Father, thank you for once again an opportunity to be here tonight in, in your house with the freedom to be able to preach and proclaim your precious word. Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you have free reign in all of our hearts tonight, that you would convict us in those areas that we need to change. And then, Father, I pray that you would give us boldness to apply those changes to our lives and leave differently or more challenged when, than when we came. It's only going to be through the power of your Holy Spirit guiding us through your precious word. Speak through me. Stop my tongue from saying anything I'm not supposed to. I pray uh, you would speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen. It's a great example and obviously a very familiar passage. And, and we know this story of Peter walking on the water. And uh, no doubt this message or this passage has been preached many times and, and how it is just such a great example of taking a step of faith. And taking that step of faith and walking on the water and seeing God do a work in our lives or specifically in this context, Peter's life in a way that he had never experienced before. And the obvious application to our own lives is that God would do a work in our own life. So tonight, I really just want to talk on uh, when God grows our faith. When God grows our faith. There are certain things that I believe this passage right here outlines that For most situations, when God is about to grow our faith, we can almost guarantee and we can almost put it down we're going to experience certain things. You can't make a dogmatic statement and say this is going to be a guaranteed pattern every time your faith is grown or every time God opens up a door. But I can just tell you from the the people I know personally as well as just experientially, it seems to be patterns. That God uses in, in your own life, especially when there's an opportunity. The first thing I'd like to draw your attention is verse 22 when it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him under the other side while he sent the multitude away. These are very simple thoughts, very simple points, but, but this should give us an idea of maybe what to expect when God is about to grow our faith. Number one, there's, there will be a submission to God's leading. We talked this morning about just how important it is for our spiritual ears to be attuned to the Word of God and how faith comes by hearing, that spiritual hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And, and there cannot be a growth of faith without a submission to the Word of God because it is essential. It goes hand in hand. And so there has to be a submission to God's leading. We can find so many different examples in the Old Testament or throughout the scriptures where God led his people to a certain place or a certain door of opportunity that opened up. I think of Abraham when God called Abraham and said, "Get thee out of thy country." If you go if you go back and you look at that passage, it's interesting in Genesis chapter 12, he said, "Just go." And Genesis said or uh, Abraham said, "Where?" It was almost like he said, where? Because God didn't clearly define where Abraham was supposed to go. But he just said, get thee out of thy country. I think about Joseph. God opened up a door of opportunity. Gave him some insight on some dreams or through some dreams. Although he had no idea what his life was going to unfold or what events would unfold in his life or where God would take him. But through authorities in Joseph's life through speaking through his father. His father said, go and see if it be well with your brothers. If you go back, that was the, that was that leading. That was that submission. He had to follow. And if you'll also remember, that's when it all started happening for Joseph. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, and he, he pulled aside to see what this thing that he had never seen before, this bush that burned but was not consumed. And then God spoke out of this bush towards Moses and said, take off your shoes, you're, on, you're standing on holy ground. And then gives clarity to Moses to some degree, a, a door of opportunity and some direction in saying, I want you to go and, and I will send you before Pharaoh to deliver my people out of bondage. In every one of these cases, you're going to find there has to be a submission to God's Word. To the leading of God in our lives. Joshua, arise. Go over this Jordan. And and all that he had to face there. There has to be a submission. I, I, I think it's so easy. We talked a little bit this morning about how it would be wonderful if there was a magic pill. That would allow us to burn fat, build muscle for us guys, grow our hair thick again. You know, just add it all in. Make my eyes where I could see again. Um, if uh, I'm, I, I, I use glasses. I can see you all right now, but I can't hardly read. I can, but I have to do this and back and forth. So then I do this, and then I go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's nice and clear. And then I look up, and everything's blurry. So if I look up and my eyes are crossed, you know, it would be great if my eyes were, were nice again. You know, if I could see. You know, the truth is, is that we would love benefit without trial. But any time our faith is going to grow, there are going to be some steps in order for our faith to grow, and that first step is submission to God. There will be a submission to God's leading when God grows our faith. Secondly, I want you to look at verse 24. It says, "...but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves." For the wind was contrary. Secondly, there will be a storm that we will experience. Now I want to step back and I just want to review this real quick. Remember, when God grows our faith, He's not going to come to us and say, it's time to grow your faith, get ready. And a lot of times we don't even understand that our faith is about to be grown. We don't know we're about to be challenged in certain areas. It's not obvious. In the case of this situation, Jesus just tells the disciples, get into the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you over there. Well, that's pretty simple. Just get into the boat. You know what? If you ask the disciples, what is this going to look like? Oh, it's going to be easy. We're easy to submit to the Word of God, you know, to the direction that the Lord Jesus gave them. We're just going to get into the boat. We're going to sail peacefully across the other side, and then we're going to meet them there. And I don't know how many times God opens up doors in our, our lives and go, hey, here's an opportunity. Do you want this opportunity? That sounds exciting. Oh, yay. I like, I like adventures. Hey, I bet I can see the sun shining on the other side of this door, and, and it's going to be bliss, I bet. But you can almost put it down. Either when God grows your faith just by circumstantial. In other words, no planned. in your plans. His plan, yes, but not your plan. Things just fall all around you. They fall apart. There's that. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's a storm going on. There are other situations when God opens up an opportunity for you, such as our family. Going to Honduras. Or it could be as simple as taking a Sunday school class or doing some ministry opportunity. Hey, would you pray about this? See if God would would give you peace about getting involved in these things. You can almost guarantee it's not what you think it's going to be. It's going to be better, just not even kind of close to what you think it's going to be. It's going to be better because your faith is going to grow and you're going to see God in ways that you never saw him before. But it is going to be different. I have people ask us sometimes about our step of faith. And they go, man, that's a big step of faith. And, you know, faith is a reflection of the individual, not God. Now, God does give us faith. Yes, he doesn't work in our hearts, but it's us trusting God. You see that? Let me give you a, just a brief example, and I'm going to move quickly because I'm, I'm almost out of time. But if we put a weight bar up here and we had some Olympic-sized weights, any anyone in this auditorium ever lifted weights or have seen someone lift weights or have heard of people lifting weights or maybe you've seen a picture or someone has ever exercised, I don't know. I've asked that question in churches, and uh, I was in a church about 300, 400 uh, people were in attendance in Texas, and asked that question. No one raised their hand. I thought certainly among 400 people, there's got to be some young people in there wanting to lift weights or something, you know. Anyone anyone lift weights? No one raised their hand except like this little five-year-old girl. I don't know. And obviously, she didn't understand the question, so... I was like, okay, this illustration is for you and me, little girl. I don't know what you're Susie, all right, here we go. (laughs) You know what it is when you're benching? She's like, huh? No. But if we had a a bar up here and I said, okay, we're going to have, you know, uh, what's your your name back there? The one, yes, with the nice head of hair. Sean. You look like a big guy, Sean. So if if we had Sean get up here and we say we're just going to do a deadlift and and we throw in 45-pound plates and, and plus the bar, you got 135 pounds an Olympic bar, and he, he bends down, he picks it up, and he sits it back down. That's a, that's a deadlift. That's it. And we go, man, that's awesome. Okay, so then we throw on two more 45s because we're going to see what his limit is in strength. So we throw on two more 45s. Now you're at 225. So he reaches down, picks it up, still easy, puts it down. Then we throw on two more 45s. Now you're at 315. So he reaches down. He has to make sure he has good form, but he picks it up, still gets it up, puts it back down. We throw on two more 45s. You're at 405. He picks it up. He's struggling now a little bit. You know, he gets it up. He puts it back down. Throw on some more, 495. Throw on some two and a halfs, round it up to 500. So we're at 500 pounds. He reaches down, picks it up. It's everything. His knees are shaking. You know, it's everything just so before he locks out his knees, ah, you know, he gets it up and he drops it. That's his max, 500 pounds, right? Can't do any more than that. And in fact, I bet you he couldn't do it again because your, your strength starts to weaken after a while. You start fatiguing. Then we wheel out this 20,000-pound hoist, okay? We put it on either side. We hook it up on, on the ends, and we say, now, John, anything you can't lift, this hoist is going to lift for you up to 20,000 pounds. It'll even compensate from your fatiguing as your strength starts waning. You understand? Yeah, I got it. Okay, so how much weight do you want to put on? Well, 500 was really tough. Hmm, 515? Okay, so let me just run this through one more time. The hoist is going to pick up anything you can't pick up, up to 20,000 pounds. What, what do you want to put on? Well, okay, okay. 550? You see what I'm saying? We would all be sitting there going, put on a 1,000 pounds, buddy. Throw on at 5,000. Let's see what this lift can actually do. I want to see what 20,000 pounds looks like on an Olympic bar. You see what I'm saying? Stack it all on. Do what we need to do. Why? Because the hoist is about to lift something that he can't. Faith, when it is exercised, is trusting God to accomplish something in us that we cannot accomplish for ourselves. So any time we exercise our faith or we step out by faith, we're having to put ourselves in a position that we are now out of our element. We're beyond our strength, beyond our our understanding, beyond our own experiences, beyond our our intellect. You know, fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. Because stepping out by faith is trusting God to accomplish something in and through us that otherwise would not be able to be accomplished. We, we admitted this morning we trust God and we, we believe God, but how many times do we limit God himself from what he wants to accomplish in us simply because we say, I'm maxed out at 500 pounds. I can't do much more than that. Right, but God will. So what are we going to trust God to accomplish in and through us? Because there is no limit with God. There might be a limit to a hoist, but there is no limit with God because He's unlimited. He's eternal. He's infinite. And so God can accomplish anything He wants to through us. I want to, I want to show you just something real quick, and I'm going to move really fast through these points, okay? So first of all, there has to be a submission to God's leading. Secondly, there will be a storm that we will experience. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. Verse 25, it says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Church, I'm going to tell you, when you're in the middle of a storm, when you're in the middle of something that is far beyond what we ever expected, when you're so overwhelmed there will be a need to focus on our Savior they couldn't see clearly I I, I I know who's in this auditorium some and I know some of the experiences of what some of you have been through and so there's no comparison but I'll just I'll just give you There were times in my life where I just didn't feel I could go on. But it wasn't wasn't initial. It wasn't immediate. I I gave an illustration one time of a 90-pound weight, and I had a guy come up and and grab a weight, and I said, you know, I had a five-pound, kind of about half dozen different, all the way up to 90. And I said, he was a big guy, strong guy, and I said, grab whichever one you can handle. And I knew his pride would walk over to the 90 and pick up the 90. And it did. So he walks over, grabs the 90s. I said, just hold this real quick. And I start rambling on about how muscles work and how exercise works. And the blood flows through and provides oxygen to the muscles. And there's a white fiber and a red fiber. And there's a fast twitch and a slow twitch. And I'm just thinking every fact I know about exercise because I just want him to hold it while I'm talking. I was pretty sure I was making up facts about stuff. I don't know. I was just wasting time while he got fatigued. Then he started sweating. And he shifted over to his other hand and his other hand and his other hand. Then now he's holding it with two hands. And when he started, he was like this. And now he's like this. And he turns to go put it down. And I said, no, 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 hold it real quick for a little bit longer. And everyone starts laughing. And he's sitting there holding it holding it. And I watch his fingers as they're opening up. And he can't hold it any longer. Right before he dropped it, I said, put it back. That's fine. The point was what we experience. It is not what we can't handle. It's how long we have to hold. There's times where, where we'll enter a storm or a, a burden of our hearts and our minds and we go, okay, this is not good, but I got this. But you have to understand this, church. The purpose of what God is doing is trying to bring you to a point where you have no more strength so that he can intervene. And so just know you're going to have to stay there for a while, maybe. With no light in sight. And the point is that He brings us so low. And I'm, and I'm telling you, when you're in that place, please do your very best to focus on God. For me, I was able to read my, my, the Bible. I was able to have my devotions and pray with clarity in the beginning but it got to a point where I was pretty much at the bottom where I couldn't focus in reading my devotions. My mind would wander. I, I didn't know what to pray. And so I'll tell you what I ended up doing. I went back to one verse that God gave me as a promise to latch onto. And that was my devotions all for a while because that was the only thing I could, I could get a hold of. Now I went back to that verse over and over and over. And I read it again. And I just said, you promised. You promised. You you wouldn't leave me. And my prayers, I couldn't form any prayers. It was, I remember praying on multiple occasions. You're going to have to intercede. And you're going to have to interpret the groaning of my own heart. Because I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. That's a part of the process of our faith being grown. But we're going to have to focus on the Savior. Verse 28 and 29, if you'll look there real quick, we're almost done. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come on the water. I'll just say this, there will need to be a big step out of everything we know to be familiar. Peter obviously didn't practice walking on water. He had never walked on water before. And yet, there was something in him that even made that suggestion. If it be you, bid me to come. And he said, come. I think that's amazing to me. This big step of faith out of the water. Let me just say this real quick about faith and that step. Although Peter accomplished something he had never attempted before, there was still that initial step that he had to take. And I don't believe God divinely intervened. Listen, I don't believe God divinely intervened on that step of faith until his weight shifted to the front foot out of the boat. I, in other words, the Bible doesn't say, so I don't want to speculate, but I don't see anywhere where stones floated to the top and he was like, oh, there's the stone. You know, and he jumped out on that stone. He was like waiting for the next stone and then he jumped out on that stone. When he stepped out, I believe, according to patterns in the Scriptures, like the Levites stepping out in the Jordan River, and when their foot hit the water, then the water parted. Because that seems to be a pattern of faith, isn't that what faith is? Stepping out before we have sure footing? Stepping out only at the Word of Christ. That's what faith is. And, and, And Peter had to step out and trust the Lord. Faith is stepping before you have a sure footing or foundation. Faith is stepping through the door before the light's on. Faith is just stepping out only at the word of our Savior. And, and then let me just point to the fact, and we know this passage, but in verse um, verse 29 we see, and Jesus said, "Come." And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And I just say this, there will be a surfacing of our own weakness. And this is what I think very many, and, and I'm, I'm done, okay? This is what we miss when our faith is tried. We don't want to fail. So when the door opens up or when we enter in into a storm, We know there's this storm. We know there's going to be a step of faith bigger than anything we're familiar with. But Peter sunk. And I'm going to say, I believe... Now, I believe Peter had to sink. I believe it was a part of the will of God for Peter to sink. Now, I'm not stretching it. The Bible makes very clear why he sank. When he saw the winds boisterous. He was afraid. There was fear involved. It says, and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And then Jesus' response, O thou of little faith. He lacked faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? He had doubt in his heart. So according to the passage, we know why he sank. He sank because he got out and started looking around, took his eyes off of Jesus. How many times have we heard that message? Keep your eyes on the Savior. He he looked around. But now, I believe it was important for him to sink. Think about this. Jesus is obviously accessing his divine power from his deity walking on the water. Jesus, being God, already knows that Peter is going to sink. Don't you think it would have been okay for Jesus, after Peter said, Hey, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus say, Well, it's me, but don't come, because you're going to sink because you're going to be too afraid, because you're going to see all your circumstances around you, and you don't have enough faith, you have too much doubt in your heart, those are legitimate reasons why you're not going to make it all the way out. You're going to sink. How about you just stay in the boat? I'll be there shortly. But he already knew Peter was going to sink. And he said, come. Now think about that. Jesus already knew. Now... Think about this also, on on the flip side of that. Imagine Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water with you, which is a crazy suggestion. And Jesus says, come. So Peter jumps out of the boat, walks to Jesus all the way, gets to Jesus, turns around with Jesus, walking on the water. They get back into the ship. I bet you, if you had asked Peter, did you uh, did you walk on the water because you practiced this? How did you do this? I bet you would have given God all the glory. No. The only reason I did is because God enabled me. I bet you he would have. Knowing Peter, knowing his personality, I bet you he would have. But knowing humanity and knowing myself, I bet you there would have been something in Peter's mind and heart going, I walked on the water. Now, I don't know about, about you, but If I was Peter, I would have been like, hey, fellas, I don't know if there was a conversation that went on in the boat while I was gone, but I didn't catch it because I was on the water walking with Jesus. I think there probably would have been something in him that puffed up a little bit because I would have. And if anyone had asked me, how did you do that? I would have said God did it. Do you know how deceptive pride is in our own heart? And you do, you do a special, you do something, and someone goes, man, that was wonderful, great. And our response is, praise the Lord. And I'll be transparent. I don't know how many times I said, praise the Lord, and walked off going, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Am I the only one that does that? Am I the only one that has been in those situations where we would give praise to God verbally, but we're thinking something a little bit else? That's why I think Peter had to sink. Because Jesus had to reveal to him his own fear and his own lack of faith. So he did say, Peter, come. So Peter could get out on the water halfway out and start sinking. So he would turn. By the way, I love Peter's response. Peter's response is exactly how we need to respond when we sink. So now listen, the process of our faith growing is that there will most likely be a point of failing because he's trying to grow us and in the process has to reveal where our weaknesses are. And the only way that can happen is when he puts us or some weight on us to a point where we get completely weak-kneed and fatigued and we have to just collapse and say, I can't do this. That's when God says, yes, that's right. Peter's response was, save me. You know Peter could swim. He was a fisherman. We know he can swim because of other passages where he was in the, in the boat and Jesus was on the shore. He jumped in and swam to shore. So we know he was probably a prof- proficient swimmer. I, I, I was a lifeguard at a, at a youth camp for the, men's, uh, for the boys' swim team. If I started to sink my first knee jerk reaction would start kicking. Start swimming, start moving. Why didn't Peter do that? When he started to sink, he didn't go this is a bad idea. I'll be back in the boat, you know. He didn't. He turned to Jesus and that's the right response. Don't let your first response be I got to try harder. I got to work this out. I got to think because you're not. We just need to go, save me. Jesus reached down, picked him up. Now I'll close with this. Notice in, in the verse where it says, then, uh, and when, verse 32, and when they were come into the ship. You know when you look that up, when they were come, it means to walk on. I don't know if you ever thought how Peter got back in the boat after he started sinking. In my mind, I've read that passage so many times, and once he sunk, it was like, yeah, then they got back in the boat. But I never thought, how did he get back in the boat? Did Jesus grab him by the back of the, 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 his tunic or whatever they wore and drag him through the water? I told you, you know, you need to, you know. I'm sorry, Lord. He, he reached down and grabbed them. And when they were come, when they both walked, now listen. This is the grace of God. This is how good God is when we just royally fail and fall on our face. Why did Peter get out of the boat? He wanted to walk with with God. He wanted to walk with Jesus. That was the first that was his intention. And Jesus still allowed him to walk with them despite his failings. You know why? Because we're never good enough. We can't earn anything. And we certainly can't earn his grace. But God is good all the time. And he helped Peter out, and they walked back. And I bet you Peter walked a little bit different getting back in the boat, knowing all those disciples saw him sink. That's exactly where we need to be. Church, when God starts to grow our faith, we've got to know there's going to be some storms. There's going to be trials. And just be ready because most likely there's going to be a failing. But it's all part of the process. You read those rest of the verses, they get back in the boat, and then they saw that he was unlike any other person. It says, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the Son of God. How we respond in our trials when we just keep trusting, yeah, flail if you need to. Cry out if you need to. But just continue to turn to the Savior. Because through it all, other people can see that process and see how you come out on the other side and give God the glory. Give God the glory. And say, they're still going on. They're still serving God. And your testimony, will help encourage someone else and reveal God through watching and observing someone else. Reveal God to that individual in ways they never saw God before. God gets the glory no matter what, when our faith is grown His way. Father, we, we love you. I pray you'd help us to love you more. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness and your gentleness in our lives. I thank you for your daily mercies. Father, I pray you would continue to speak to our hearts through your word. You would continue to convict us where we need to change. Father, thank you for using us in spite of us, in spite of our frailties, in spite of our weaknesses. Father, you are all sufficient. You are all we need are our strength and our shield. Father, help our lives to glorify you. That's our heart's desires that you would get glory from who we are and what we accomplish as we lift up the name of Christ in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.
1: As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed, subpoena plays. How about you tonight? It's a wonderful message on growing your faith what does God want you to do maybe God's wanting you to step out in faith maybe it's give more in missions giving by faith maybe it's serving by faith what's holding us back is it our fear of failure fear of falling flat on our face fear of sinking in the water like Peter did allow God to use you as the piano plays. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open.